Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rhodes. Well, here we are again. So what have you got for us? What's your favorite flavor of crisp? Cheese and onion. Oh, you're okay. Pardon? You're just about okay. Well, there's been an IT glitch at Walker's Crisps. And so all right. the more exotic flavors, well, I think it includes things like smoky bacon, but also yeah. I think they have a hedgehog flavor and a, I used to yeah. like their Worcester sauce flavor. They've put all those on hold while they try and sort out what was going on. And they're only making, they're, they're uh, prioritizing seasoned onion, salt and vinegar, and ready salted or Gracious. potato flavor, as I like to call it. I was brought up in the northeast, and our local crisp country was called Tudor, which has now been absorbed into one of the others, I, I think. Oh. But they would try out um, various flavours locally. I remember going to a news station once, and they were trying kipper crisps. Oh. They were not nice. They really oh, were. were. They not? Fish-flavoured crisps, no, did not work. It really didn't. Oh. Um, so they never really, they, they never, they were never produced nationally, as far as I can tell. When you're but anyway, so I'm all right for them. cheese and onion crisps. You're all right for cheese and onion, but there's a shortage. I mean, there are shortages of food uh, at supermarkets all over the place, as you probably will have noticed. And some of them are going to rather silly lengths to cover up the fact that there are shortages. So my local Sainsbury's, they have uh, cardboard boxes that look vaguely like bottles and jars filling up the empty shelves. So it's not just empty shelves. Mm. But Tesco's in London are using cardboard replicas because big oh, full yes, life-size photographs of things like racks of asparagus and carrots and even things like washing up liquid so you go along that i want some asparagus you say no you've got plenty of asparagus and when you get there it's not asparagus it's a photograph that seems worse than having the empty shelves frankly it does doesn't it yes like raising yes. your hopes and then dashing yes. them. this is what you're missing yeah well but, but perhaps you could take home the buy the cardboard Cardboard yes, with picture a, with of a asparagus. Go photograph home. of some money. Yeah. Yes, it's cheap. <laughs> yes, but it's obviously cheaper. If you don't actually eat the thing, it's a exactly. useful dieting tool. Exactly. Yes. And while we're talking about food, hmm. uh, Heinz have teamed up with the Aldrin Space Institute, for there is such a thing, hmm. to make Mars edition ketchup. That's Mars with a Z, of course. Oh, right. Well, to go with Heinz with a Z. Yes. Uh, and um, so what they've done is they've built a, a biodome that replicates the atmosphere on Mars, or the lack of atmosphere on Mars. They've filled it with Mars-like soil, and uh, they've grown tomatoes in it. And they say that the tomatoes are of a quality that's good enough to make into ketchup. And I did have a quote from their chief growth officer, which I won't bore you with, uh, because, frankly, it was just a standard puff about now everyone could explore, enjoy our ketchup galactically. But the reason I mentioned the chief growth officer is that her name is Christina Kens, Kens with a Z. And I was wondering if everyone who works for Heinz has to have a name ending in Z. <laughs> splendid. <laughs> oh, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, well, good. That might not be the first word, but uh, consistent, perhaps. Yes, yes. consistent. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So I think every time anybody um, writes anything that might end in an S, if you work for Heinz, they just change it to Z. I think they or probably Or C, do. as they would probably say. Oh, do you think they would? Oh, that's disappointing. It well, doesn't sound right with a Z. Yes, I suppose they would, yes. Huh. Yes, they would say Heinz with a Z. I'm but beans means Heinz. Remember that? The, um, I do remember. The advertising slogan? Yes. Mm. Yes. A million, a million housewives, housewives every, 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 day. every day pick up a tin of beans and say. 
That wasn't the days when you could make claims like that, but they were patently false. <laughs> yes. Well, perhaps it wasn't. A cuisine, was not quite as, cuisine was not quite as out in those days. <laughs> perhaps it wasn't. <laughs> right, let's have one of these. I'm hungry now. It wasn't the mention of the asparagus, the cardboard pictures. Uh, <laughs> but yes, lots of discussion of beans. But what now? Away from food. Well, Twitter is uh, to allow its users in the US initially to edit their posts up to 30 seconds after they've posted them. Because you know how easy it is to respond to something and you type a post and you think, oh, I really wish I hadn't said that. Well, well you can't if you're it. American, you can delete it, but now you can edit it. If you pay them, if you pay them $2.99 a month, and that gives you the chance to edit your posts. It's a bit much, isn't it? It does seem a little much. How often yeah. do you wish you'd edited your posts? Never. But I, I do read frequently of celebrities saying stupid things that they obviously <laughs> regret having said. <laughs> yes, but probably not within 30 seconds. No, not till someone else points it out. Yes, <laughs> in which thing, case yes. it's too late. It's yes. too late, yes. So what's the point? I don't know what the point is, but anyway, well, they're, they're, they're doing it. Likely you think it's going to be worthwhile. Hmm. Okay. And uh, last week we talked about Tesco and Gorillas teaming up to do 10-minute delivery of mm -hmm. groceries. Yes. Uh, this week, Currys are teaming up with Uber for last-minute electronics. So if you need... Uh, a laptop or a phone charger or things like printer cartridges or even headphones. Mm -hmm. They say that uh, they can get them to you within half an hour. So doing a three-month trial in London to see how it goes. I think it's a very good idea. Yes. I'm not just very often I need something that urgently, but perhaps lots of people do. Well, imagine you're doing, doing the show and you inadvertently trod on your headphones and you mm. think, I've got that Steve Kaplan that uh, in half an hour he's going to make fun of me if I'm not wearing proper headphones. Well, fun no more. You can call up Curry's and they will whiz some round to you. Mm. Okay. I say call up Curry's. I mean, you know, somehow yes. visit Curry's. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, well, that's, I suppose, useful. You're going to try it out? If I need something in a hurry. Yes. Yeah, if you inadvertently step on your headphones. Exactly. That <laughs> might well happen. <laughs> Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. Now, you're a cat owner. I'm a cat owner, but there are well, plenty own. of dog owners. I, I think uh, that doesn't work. The cats don't believe that you are their owner. No. You're, well, you, you are. There you is are a cat that lives in the cat. house. Yes, yes, absolutely. Exactly. Um, and um, dog owners um, have more difficulty because dogs, are not being as bright as cats, we can't easily amuse themselves while they're at home. When we look at all kinds of things where you can have a, a webcam to entertain mm. your dog, what a lot of people do apparently is to leave their TV on for their dog so the dog can watch the TV. Really? Well, it's something they've been able to do recently because um, analog TVs, dogs can't see because they refresh at 60 hertz and dogs see at between 70 and 80 hertz. Oh, I so, never knew that. Yeah, apparently. So analogue TVs make no sense to them. Modern uh, LED TVs uh, refresh at a much higher rate, so dogs can only watch them. But, of course, what dogs want to watch is not what you want to watch. I don't think they have much interest in Neighbours or Home and Away or whatever else is on during daytime. Oh. Cookery programmes. They might like cookery programmes. They might. Well, they will certainly enjoy Dog TV, which is launching in the UK from Monday. Dog TV. Dog TV. 
Go on, you ought to watch it, don't you? Right. You, can, you really <laughs> ought to watch it. <laughs> well, I can't help feeling like. yes, there might be more humans watching this than dog. And what's on dog TV? <laughs> well, what's on dog TV um, are a couple of different kinds of programmes. There are dogs surfing, dogs on skateboards, that kind of thing, if you want to get your dog all excited. There are videos There's of dogs... aspirational dog viewing. Yes. Okay, yes. There are videos of dogs chilling out, just sort of lying there, you know, snoozing. Right. Um, and if you want to gradually introduce your dog to the more dog unfriendly things that are that are out there, uh, this only works when the owner is present, of course. Then there's a channel that will show doorbells and thunderstorms and babies screaming, things like that. Just bizarre. It's not it that is. long ago since there was a magazine for Dashens. That's right. That one? Yes. And now we've got TV for dogs. Now we've got TV for dogs. Well, um, this started in Israel back in 2009 and then opened up in the, the US a few years later. And it's finally made it to the TV via to the UK, rather via, via smart TVs or via your phone. What I'm not sure is how you pay for it, if it's a subscription or if they just advertise at your dog. I mean, that's the usual way of paying <laughs> yes, for a, yes. a TV so your So your dog then... It, demands a particular sort of product because it's seen exactly. on television. And exactly. are there are there dog influencers then? Oh, dogs I'm that sure other dogs they're... like like to follow. There must are... be. Listen, if you're watching if you're listening to this show and you have a dog that's in any way cute, start it up as a dog influencer now because yes. you could be one of the first out there. This is this is is quite bizarre, but I am so intrigued that dogs could never see analogue TVs, mm. but they can see well apparently yes. yes my tv is quite no well i haven't got a dog so i can't even i can't even find out i mean my tv is hmm. quite old but it is it, it sort of gets a digital signal but the tv itself is old is it analog well i don't really know well it, it does there a big lump sticking out the back of it oh yeah uh is there i don't know i'll have to go and have a look you don't look know. Now. i'll wait till we stop talking well no it's just been there a while a long time is it as deep as it is wide if you were put it, to put it against yes, the wall, yes, I think it is. Oh, yes, I think it is. Oh, no, no, I can't. Away from the wall? Oh. oh, yeah, long way. So you have long an analog away. TV. Oh, well, I oh. guess I have. Don't, don't get a dog. That's my advice. Oh, okay. Well, my that's second piece of advice would be upgrade your TV and then you can Why? get a dog. It works. Only just. Well, it works perfectly fine. Does it, does it still show programs in black and white? Or have you got a 405625 switch on it? Uh, I didn't ever remember any TVs that had a four or five six. Yes, when BBC Two first came in, it was six hundred and twenty-five lines rather than four hundred and five lines. It was much higher quality, relatively speaking. Well, I didn't realize you had to switch something to go yes, between. The yes, two. yes, it was I different. Vaguely remember going to friends' houses when we were at school, and they had radio rentals TVs where you you, you had to change channels by switching a Bakelite switch on the wall. On the wall. Yeah, yeah, they were. What do you yes, mean on the wall? The, the TVs the wall? were plumbed into the wall, and the wall oh. had a bakelite switch where you where you changed channels. It was most peculiar. Okay. Anyway, that trip down memory lane. We'd get into trolleybuses next if we're not careful. Um, <laughs> we, we'd we better pause for a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rice. You're listening to Gadget and Gizmos. I'm in conversation with our technology editor, Steve Kaplan. Um, so what now? Well, the climate 
conference has been um, going ahead in Glasgow, um, just winding up. And so I thought... What, we'd have winding few... us up or winding well, up? Well, winding up as well. But yeah. I thought we'd have a few climate-related stories. Oh, okay. Um, one being wood fires, chestnuts mm. roasting on an open fire. What could be nicer than that? Well, almost anything, it turns out, because wood <laughs> fires, it turn, as it appears, they generate all kinds of tiny particles which are very bad for your health. And wood fires are being frowned upon, uh, if not actively discouraged. The University of Eastern Finland has developed an electric soot collector. Well, which, that sounds like something you would see in one of those sort of catalogues, the kaleidoscope catalogues that comes out at Christmas. An electric like soot that. collector. That's what you must have. Well, it generates an electric field that attracts charged particles, and it can remove an awful lot of the harmful stuff from the wood smoke, which I think is a Speaking. very good idea. Yes. yes. And it can be retrofitted to, uh, to your fire you've already got. You don't have to buy a new one. They haven't started marketing it yet, but I think it's a very good idea. And if it means we can carry on having wood fires, then I think it's an excellent idea, because I do like a wood fire. I agree. I agree. Mm. Even a log, log fire is fine, yeah. but yeah, really nice open one. Yes. Well, I'll come around and, and have some chestnuts and this, this, this. Well, because chestnuts, chestnuts in the oven just aren't the same. No, no, absolutely not. Mm. I agree. I agree. No, they don't get quite as black and burnt on the outside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they aren't the same. You're quite right. So what else? Well, moving along, you've heard of the Ocean Cleanup Project. Well, even if you haven't, yes. it does exactly as its name yes. suggests. It yeah, cleans yeah. up the ocean. And the way it cleans up the ocean is it has two ships that drag a vast net between them, mm. and it literally sweeps through the ocean, uh, picking up trash, garbage, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Just as well, the ocean isn't much bigger than two ships. Well, they are quite a long way apart, and it's a big okay. net. The problem right. is, once they have scooped up all that junk, they've then got to take it somewhere, they take it to the shore. Mm. And since the ships are inevitably diesel-powered, then all that ferrying backwards and forwards, and indeed trawling backwards and forwards, yes. is pretty harmful to the planet because they're just burning diesel fuel, mm. which, as we're told, is not a good thing to burn. There is a new initiative from Harvard University and teamed up with Worcester Polytechnic, which is, uh, which is very nice okay. to hear. Yeah. Yes. And they have hit upon the idea I'm sorry, of... Sorry, just the idea. That, uh, probably never has Harvard been put in the same sentence as Worcester Polytechnic until now. Almost certainly not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, mm. impressed. But they have teamed up and they have hit upon the idea of hydrothermal liquefaction. Mm. You want some, don't you? Of course you do. Well... A bit of hydrothermal liquefaction is <laughs> good for everyone. What happens is they take their, the, the garbage, the plastic mainly... Mm. They heat it up to over 500 degrees centigrade. Mm. They then subject it to pressure 300 times what is found uh, on the, at sea level. And they produce marine diesel. So they turn the plastic into diesel. Isn't that clever? That's impressive. So it means not only do they have to go and refuel with diesel, they don't have to ferry the, the garbage back and forth they can just turn it into the diesel and carry on going forever. At least on the ship? They're... They can't do it on the ship, on the presumably. Ship. Yes, they can do it on the ship. Mm, okay. Mm. Well, so they can, they can keep going as long as their supply of ships... No, presumably, presumably there's rather a lot more caught in the net than just plastic. 
Yes, there's probably quite a lot of fish as well. I wonder how they avoid yes. that. Yes, you don't want to, you know, buy. I mean, I'm not a great cook, but I know heating it up to more than 500 degrees centigrade and putting it at a pressure of 300 times sea level is not going to lead to a very appetizing meal. It's not, is it? They, I'm sure they've thought about that, but I, I can't imagine how. Maybe they scare yeah. the fish off first. Maybe they have. Oh, maybe. Uh, maybe they well, have fish TV. Out, if you broadcasting oh, warning yes, messages, distracting them, distracting <laughs> them by having fish TV. Oh, wonderful yeah. idea! Wonderful. Okay, what now? Um, let us move on to a company called Reaction Engines in Oxford, mm. who have been developing planes that run on ammonia. Now, you and I might think of ammonia as that nasty, ghastly smelling stuff mm. that our mothers used to use for cleaning the kitchen floor. Or I would say all our fathers, but frankly, in those days, the no. chance of our fathers cleaning the kitchen floor was vanishingly small. Yes, I agree. And the thing about ammonia is it doesn't smell very nice, but of course, when you're up in the air, that, that matters very much. But uh, what it produces by way of emissions is just water vapour, hydrogen and nitrogen. So it's it's very clean stuff. Mm. They reckon they can get a 1,250-mile range from powering a plane on ammonia. And they say that it could mean that air travel could be carbon neutral by 2030. Wow. Is, yeah, wow, indeed. Which is very good stuff. Yes. I, at that point, you begin to wonder whether you believe them. Yes. I mean, we well, wonderful, but yes, it will be wonderful. Well, it's possible. It's possible. It's a, it's an aspiration, isn't it? Okay. Well, yes. let's see. Let's see how it goes. And in the meantime, have one of these. And having had one, and meanwhile, uh, Coca Cola have launched their first plant based plastic bottle, hundred percent plant based bottle. Hmm. Okay. Um, made from 70% corn syrup and 30% monoethylene glycol. And as I'm sure you know, monoethylene glycol comes from waste products from the wood industry. Oh, I yeah. didn't know. No, I didn't know that either, but I, I do now. And they've made 900 of these bottles, which is not a huge number, given how many bottles Coca-Cola do probably get through in a day. Hmm. But, you know, enough to keep Donald Trump going for a week or two, I'd have thought. OK, well, I suppose it's impressive if they can scale it up. If they can scale it up, it's, you know, it's, it's moving in the right direction. I think all these things are moving in the yes. right direction. Yeah, I agree. Which, okay. is a, which is a good thing. Here's something that might be moving in the wrong direction. Um, Wagyu. Mm. You know what Wagyu is. Wagyu is that terribly expensive Japanese beef. Yes, I've never actually from- had it. Have you? No, I haven't, no. But it comes from cows that are cosseted and massaged daily and spoken to nicely. They probably even watch cow TVs as I'm getting bored. <laughs> yes, yes. And you can get um, you can get some Wagyu. You can get, get some on Amazon, actually. Um, oh. 150 grams of, of Wagyu will cost you £83, which is quite a lot for a steak. Wow. And that's, that's before you even cooked it. I don't know if I were to cook it, I'd probably ruin it. Yeah. And that works out at £419 a kilogram. Well, University of Osaka has found a way to grow Wagyu steaks in the lab using 3D bioprinters um, with uh, bovine stem cells. So they're not vegan because there is some sort of animal input. 
well, they turn the stem cells into, into Wagyu beef. The downside is it takes three or four weeks to make a cubic centimeter of the stuff. And rather than costing 419 pounds a kilogram, it costs 80,000 pounds a kilogram. Right. I can see a flaw in their canning plan. Yes, exactly. Exactly. There is a flaw. I'm surprised you noticed it. But because it, because it is a financial radio station and you're on the lookout for this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, perhaps it's the beginning of something. It's um, the beginning of something, and I think we can probably expect the price to come down, you know, as, as time goes on. £80,000 a kilogram yeah. to, four, to less than 419 Even at 419 yes. it's a little it's a bit. Lot. It's yes. expensive stuff, isn't it? Whether they will convince someone to pay, you know, even £419 a kilogram for a Wagyu steak that isn't really a Wagyu steak, but they can't apply it to vegans, of course, because A, vegans won't eat it because it's made from bovine stem cells, and B, I don't think vegans like eating steak. Well, Although they do no. like eating hamburgers. They, McDonald's vegan hamburgers, my son tells me, are just as good as the real thing. Oh, I did not even know that existed. They do, and they've, they've been around for some time in the UK. They've just launched them uh, last week, I think, in the US. Oh, well, Where they will be met with... Probably people pick picketing outside McDonald's, tooled up with AK-47s. I have a I have a vegan um, son. I shall have to tell him about the McDonald's thing. Well, you can also tell him. Oh well, no, he won't want this either. Uh, lab-grown fish, fish made <laughs> from fish cells, which are grown in a lab and shaped into uh, not fish-shaped portions, maybe fish finger-shaped portions. Mm. And this is made by um, Nomad Foods, who own Birdseye. Do you know where the name Birdseye comes from? There was Clarence. Birdseye. It was Clarence. Oh, I forgot who. I forgot who he was. Was the inventor? Oh, right. He invented fast food freezing in 1924. He didn't invent a food freezing. Do you know he invented food freezing? Uh, James Dean's father in um, whatever that film was called, East of Eden. Can't remember. There was a movie about about it, but I can't remember who did it. No, who did it originally? Um, it was uh, Francis Bacon, not the painter Francis Bacon, but the Elizabethan courtier. No, Francis Bacon. Not. Yes, he invented frozen chickens, and in doing so, what do you mean invented frozen chickens? He was the first person to try freezing chickens, but they had no freezers. Well, he packed it in ice, and okay. in the process of making our lives that much more convenient by inventing frozen chickens, he caught pneumonia and died a few weeks later in the arms of his cousin, whose name was Sir Julius Caesar. Oh, you've, you are having me I know. It's, It does sound ridiculous, but I'm afraid these are, these are facts. Oh, you can look them up, but maybe, yeah, maybe not that. But after the show, you can go ahead and Google and Wikipedia all you like. Is there a verb from to, to Wikipedia? To Wikipedia, I think. To Wikipedia, that can't possibly be even, even in our current um, climate. I can't believe that's become a verb. No, it hasn't. I just made that well, up. Give me, well, give me something, something else to restore my faith in the English language. I will give you something else. I will give you a uh, portable guitar. This is called the Mini Corda, and mm. it's a travel. Uh, electroacoustic guitar. And we've looked at these traveling guitars before that fold in half. This uh, is small enough to go into a suitcase, even a suitcase that will be accepted on, on airlines as overhead luggage. 
Right. Because it is just the neck of the guitar. It is 50 centimeters long. Uh, it has nylon strings because it's uh, based on an acoustic uh, guitar. And it has a hollow neck that resonates. You can't hear much when it's not plugged in, but it has a socket. You can plug it into your amplifier. You can plug it into your headphones if you plug it into an amplifier first. Mm. And it's available now, $270 from Minicorder. You look up Minicorder and you will get one. And if you're traveling, if you're a traveling guitarist, I think it's well worth taking a look because it looks like a rather nice piece of kit. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, that's all we've got time for. Very informative. I'm going out to find a dog now. Uh, but I'll have to change my television first. You will. But that's it from Steve Kaplan and myself for this edition of Gadgets and Gizmos. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.